0: I will be anxious for nothing Make my request with thanksgiving I know you are faithful, faithful to the end Your promises are yes and amen
1: Okay, well, good evening. God bless you. And uh thank you so much for taking your time to join us this evening, Philippians. It is short. It is sweet. It's really sweet. And it is a remarkable letter that's loaded with heart and pathos. Now, it actually begins, the story begins in Acts 16, which I know you are familiar with. And I'm just going to kind of summarize that you can just listen but it is spectacular act 16 is a rather spectacular beginning of the ecclesia at philippi so paul's hanging around he meets timothy uh they take off to uh, Phrygia and Galatia. And God tells him two different times, don't go here, don't go there. Paul goes to bed, he gets a vision. A man from Macedonia says, "Uh, Broski, we need you, come on down. And so they could go immediately over to the seaport and take off. And they got to Philippi, a Roman colony, the leading city of the district of Macedonia. So on the Sabbath, they go down by the river. Somebody wrote a song about that later. And they sat down and began to speak to a bunch of women, which may have been a somewhat of a cultural anomaly. But uh, one woman named Lydia, the Lord opened her heart. That's the kind of people we are. You, the Lord opened your heart once upon a time I'm sure he still does day by day But this woman was smoking And as I just Summarized this, wait till we get To Philippians because these Are the people who became The nucleus of the Church, the ecclesia, the assembly Much better word At Philippi and of course Paul is preaching the word which means The enemy's not going to like it so this uh These guys brought this fortune telling Young lady around, she had a demon Paul cast it out. They went wild, framed him, lied to the authorities. They threw him in jail, severely flogging them. You know, I'm sure you've been through challenges in your life, physical challenges with pain. I feel so bad for people that have chronic pain. Well, they're severely flogged and they're in jail. And at midnight, they're still up because they probably couldn't sleep very well. And they started singing hymns and praises. The other prisoners were listening. All of a sudden, a well-placed earthquake appeared. And popped open all the jail doors, like in the movies where they just pull the switch and all the doors open. And the jailer is going to kill himself because if his prisoners escaped, he would be executed. Paul shouts out in the dark, I guess. I think he got revelation that the guy was going to do himself in. He said, chill. And, uh, so the jailer came in and said, what must I do to be saved? Don't you just love those kind? that kind of person, yeah, we need more people like that asking us, or at least by their lives asking us. And then of course we wanna be ready always to give an answer, you know that verse. So they told him and he took them home and fed them and, and washed their wounds. His whole family got saved. Uh, so many of you, I'm looking, scrolling down the list here and I love you guys, I see your names. I go back so far with some of you, uh almost 50 years, 40, 30, and you are, I'm I'm blessed to be a part of your life. It's a wonderful life. Thinking of the back in the day, many cities opened up with a family nucleus and their relatives and their friends that became the the nucleus of a growing move that reached hundreds and hundreds of people in that city. And so he took them back to jail. Next morning, the Romans came and, and said, um, OK, you can go. And Paul said, nuts to you. We're Roman citizens and you have, uh, wronged us grievously. And so we want justice. And so they were like, oh my gosh, please go quietly. Told them to, you know, go on out of the city, but they went back to Lydia's house met with the brothers, encouraged them, and then they split. That is the beginning of the ecclesia at Philippi, and that's the kind of heart. I mean, if you will go through Acts 16 and and look at, just put yourself in there with the camaraderie and the koinonia, the, the full sharing of those people, it will bless you. So Surprisingly, in Philippians, we're in Philippians about to get rolling here, the underlying theme of this reproof epistle, it corrects the behavioral deviation from the doctrine of Ephesians. And the underlying theme is joy and rejoicing. Those words and a couple others affiliated with them are used 16 times in this short letter. So even though it's a reproof epistle, he's like, it's a lot of joy in here. So if greater intimacy with the Lord and more humility and less focus on yourself are your goals, which they are mine, which I fail too often, uh, the words we will read this evening from God to Christ to Paul, and it will definitely enhance and empower your spiritual walk. Because the theme of Philippians, one of the underlying themes is humility and service and of course paul's writing from a jail cell uh, four times he mentions i think it is that he's in bonds there's a prize a reward in sight and we strive for that the word agonizomai appears a couple times and philippians contains four examples human examples of selfless service jesus paul timothy and epaphroditus So we're going to go for chapter one and one, you might think (laughs) that a reproof epistle would start with a ringing retort like, Hey, damn it, knock it off, but that's not the case. So here we go. Philippians one, one, strap on your seatbelt and enjoy the ride. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. To all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi. And then there's a little phrase that's unique to Philippians in the epistles together with the overseers, the episkopos and the deacons, the deaconos. A lot of great words in here. We can't, we don't have time to unpack all of them, but that's the, uh, exhorting the leaders. Take heed. Just a lot of this is for you guys because as leaders, we are to model humility, and service, which is not always easy by any means whatsoever. But this is an ongoing process. Each of us is a piece of work, and God knows that, and his grace and mercy abound to us amazingly. Verses 3 to 11 are the verses I read 50 years ago, this coming November 14. Somewhere in Ohio, I was ordained to the Christian ministry 50 years ago, this coming November 14, and uh, along with two other gentlemen, and we each got to give a little response. And I read Philippians 1, 3 to 11. So these verses are uh, quite meaningful. So verse three says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. There you go. The first use of that word here because of your koinonia, your full sharing in the gospel. As we go through this epistle, just ask the Lord to work in your heart to imbibe the heart of the relationship. When you find a person who is committed to the truth, someone you know you can trust, someone that will speak honestly in your life, you could speak honestly into his or her life. They're rare. And they are priceless. And this kind of deep camaraderie is often born out of persecution. Uh The church in Philippi was born out of the persecution of Paul and his companions and so forth. And uh, so we'll see some of that, that uh sometimes we see a brother being wrong and we just say, hey, well, now we could just run away and say, well, I don't want that. Or we can say, daggone it, I'm not going to let him just be the only one. I'm going to stand in here, and you'll see that as we go on. So there's so much depth of heart here. I certainly don't grasp all of it. From the first day until now, verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I'm planning to live until the gathering together of the church. I mean, why not? It could be in the next second. So, I mean, certainly you're not planning to die, I trust. Verse 7, it is right for me. In other words, we want to go the distance. We'll see that. He says, let us hold to what we have already attained. Too many people I know have gone backward and and let go of the truths, the magnificent truths that they've heard. Verse 7, is right for me. To feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you. Then the NIV says with the affection of Christ Jesus. The King James uses the word bowels, which in Greek literature, they use for more violent emotions, but the Hebrew conception was inward affection tenderness benevolence from the gut so to speak from the depth of being in our hearts and then these three verses i wish i had time to take you to other places where the greek words are used and how they relate and tie in and so forth but verses 9 10 11 are a little trilogy here and this is my prayer in order that your love may abound more and more in knowledge. That's a word, epigenosis, thorough knowledge by participation in. In other words, not just head knowledge, but applied knowledge. And depth of insight is another good word. It Judgment, it means basically spiritual perception. So there's a connection here between growing in love as we apply the word and, and increasing in spiritual perception to the end that you may be able to discern is that good friend of yours Dokemazo from Romans twelve two be able to prove that good and acceptable and perfect will of God that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless unto all the way unto a vector all the way unto the destination, the day of Christ, The hope is very much in view here, as it should be in our lives day by day, no matter what. Filled, verse 11, with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. The, that dokimazo uh, word, the Greek word, means to distinguish between good and evil, to approve of things that excel. Verse 12, here's a very interesting section. Now, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. I said there were four examples in here, Jesus, Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus. The pronouns I, me, myself, and my appear 113 times in four chapters. Now, this is terrifying because it sounds like Paul's blowing his own horn he is a man of sufficient spiritual depth that he can honestly say these things about himself so a couple of principles here number one it's not wrong to know you're right think about that one it's not wrong to know you're right If you know in a situation your heart is right towards someone whatever the situation may be then you don't want to get talked out of that even though sometimes that's what. People might try to do. So he is setting, this is scary to me, because I can't write something at 113 times. Refer to myself. I want you to know what's happened to me. has served to advance the gospel. So what's happened to him? Well, he got tossed in the clink, 13. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard, wow, and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ it does not appear that paul during his imprisonment was moping around complaining to the jailers about his lot as a result no so forth all right 14. because of my chains most of the brothers in the lord have been encouraged to speak the word of god more courageously and fearlessly now, that's a principle that's going to come up in the ensuing verses i mentioned it a minute ago trying to articulate it that you see someone that you respect and love and he gets persecuted again you have two choices you could say i don't want that i'm i'm taking off or you could stand in there and be encouraged by his example verse 15 these are pretty interesting verses here i got so many notes in the margin here I wish I could go through all of them. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. I don't know that I fully understand that. I guess, sure, people who know the truth of the word could preach it with less than stellar motives. And I guess I've experienced that with people. But that's a pretty deep statement and uh, something to think about. But others... Out of goodwill. Verse 16, the latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former, the people that preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. They preach Christ out of, here's a very interesting phrase, selfish ambition. The Greek word means electioneering, intriguing for office, trying to climb the ladder. So we don't want to have a ladder for people to climb. Most all corporate military academic government whatever they it's a ladder to climb a hierarchy people are stabbing each other in the back trying to get ahead but we don't have that in the body of christ we have one head and everyone else is a member equal with holy spirit with many different functions and abilities so the latter do so in love but the former preach christ out of selfish ambition not sincerely supposing they can stir up trouble for me i have a note embittering my imprisonment that maybe they're thinking uh, if they do this paul will get more punishment i don't know i can't purport to understand everything here while i am in chains verse 18 unbelievable what does it matter <laughs> the important thing is that in every way whether from false motive mo- motives or true christ is preached and because of this i rejoice and i've said this before so if you need to take it with a grain of salt that's okay god should not have to choose between a person with a good heart preaching error and a person with a not so good heart preaching truth our goal is to be people with the right attitude and heart preaching truth. So I'm going to say that if God had to choose between a guy who would get up in front of 10,000 people and preach error with a sincere, wonderful, loving heart, and the other guy gets up in front of 10,000 and preaches the truth of the word and goes off stage and gets drunk and shacks up and whatever... I think God would take the second guy because 10,000 people would leave the tent with something that they could apply in their lives. So if you don't agree with that, that's okay. But that's what it looks like to me here. But he shouldn't have to choose, and you know that. <clears throat> so it goes on, yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers... And the help given by the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Look, I can't tell you how much Elizabeth and I appreciate your prayers for us. And I speak for John Touchstone, Franco Botley, all of our elders and other people in your life, probably, for whom you pray. That means that you take time. You choose, instead of doing something else, to go to the Father and pray. For someone and your prayers have helped keep me alive for seven years and they are what is enabling God to bring me back to total health, which I have no doubt is going to happen. I bought a gorgeous pair of hiking boots a couple of weeks ago, Morel Moab. They're so nice. They're so nice because I'm going to be hiking. And, uh, so it's just, I thank you. Thank you. I can't, I don't know what to say to you to thank you for taking time to pray for me. And I pray for you and, and of course, many other people. So verse 20, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. So now let's not freak out and go the way of all tradition about going to heaven instantly at death and all that. You know that. So let's see what he's talking about here. Exalted in my body, and he's talked about in other places the marks on his body. Well, first of all, we just read in Acts 16, he got the tar beaten out of him, I suppose, across his back. His feet were put in stocks, not socks, stocks, and they're hard on the feet, okay? So, 21, for me to live as Christ. And to die is gain now there's a verse that's mangled by many of our brethren so yeah it's a game because then you didn't go get to meet jesus and play golf with your old foursome but that's not what it's talking about we have already seen the verses just prior to this about how the persecution of one person could inspire another person to greater boldness and courage and that's what he's talking about in this verse as we will see when we keep reading if i am to go on living in the body this will mean fruitful labor for me yet what shall i choose i do not make known i think it is i do not make known i am torn between the two i desire to depart and to be with christ does that mean by way of death no because that would contradict the rest of the bible and many things that he writes in the epistles. We know that. When is it that we would depart and be with Christ? The gathering together, our hope. I mentioned it earlier. And of course he had that in, in view constantly. And he desired that Christ would come and yank him out. Of course it's been 2,000 years, but hey, we're 2,000 years closer to that, uh, great day than he was. So, and I taught uh, that second Thessalonians one, the departure is the gathering together of the church, the departure. We are holding back the enemy, the man of sin, the Antichrist, the one world government, all that stuff can't happen while we are here. So that's the departure. Once we all split, then all hail is going to break loose, which is better by far. Yeah. than either living or dying. If you do not have our little book, is there death after life? That's right, not life after death, death after life, because most Christians don't believe that there is death after life, but there is. So this is better by far, 24. But it's more necessary for you that I stick around. Convinced of this, I know I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress, is the word furtherance. And that word implies a battle, like chopping your way through heavy underbrush or fighting your way through a uh, rank of soldiers coming against you. It's not going to be eat a walk in the park all the time, if ever. 26, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. Tremendous little four verses coming up here. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner. The Greek says, exercise your citizenship. And it says here somewhere, I forget if we read it or it's coming up, our citizenship is in heaven. I remember Philippi was the chief city of a Roman colony. These were Romans. They had all the rights and it was a huge deal to be a Roman citizen. Like we saw in Acts 16 with Paul, once he told them that, they laid off of him because Roman citizenship was treasured and very valuable and contained a lot of rights and privileges. So he says, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy, exercise your citizenship in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And I have in the margin, spiritual aplomb. Great word. I think it's a French word, A-P-L-O-M-B. It means grace under fire, something like that. You can look it up. Spiritually suave. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence. And remember, he didn't just pop around in a vehicle or a plane or do Zoom or FaceTime. When he left people he might not see him ever of course or for a long time whether I come and see you or only hear about you I will know that you stand firm in one spirit contending it's an athletic term contending in the games if you've been an athlete in your life and really you know I mean basically at any level where you had a good coach and you were really pushed it's it's a lot of s- blood, sweat, and tears to really do it. No pain, no gain, sort of. Contending as one man, that's a challenge. For the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. I just can't put myself here experientially because I've never been persecuted like this or my life's never been in danger. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) had some things happen, but nobody's trying to kill me. And I don't know that I would not be frightened, but that's what his exhortation to them is. This is a sign to them, the bad guys, that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. I don't know that I totally understand that, but I think it has something to do with when the enemy, those people who are persecuting us, see the love and the oneness and the camaraderie and the shoulder-to-shoulder stand, it might touch their hearts. Something like that. And they might realize, hey, these people are right. I might be the one that's wrong. Then 29, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ. Oh, my gosh. Look at this verse. Not only to believe on him. That was cool. But also to what suffer? It reads, for his... Sake. Oh, well, thanks. It's granted. That's like a gift here. A grant. <laughs> it's granted not only to believe, but also to suffer for his sake. And I I read this today, I put down here Acts five, forty one, forty-two. It says, The apostles left the Sanhedrin, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Now That is not a mindset that comes naturally. I don't know that I would have that. Day after day in the temple courts from house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. Amazing. Amazing. Rejoicing because he had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. I suppose I've suffered some. It's like, I don't like that. But to have that kind of mindset is certainly available. And then verse 30, since you are going through the same agone, struggle, forget the word agony, you saw I had and now hear that I have. Chapter 2, verse 1, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any koinonia with the spirit, if any tenderness, same word, splanchna, Sounds like something hitting your windshield. But it's that word bowels. Great word. The verb it talks. Jesus was moved with compassion. That's the verb of this noun. There's so much depth of heart here. If any tender compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Maybe you can remember back to a time in your life, which I hope is still... Going on that you stood shoulder to shoulder with people that you had constant, not, you know, every second, but regular interaction with people who were on a mission from God. Okay. And you remember the camaraderie, the joy, the heart, the successes, the failures. Well, a lot of people I know are very isolated now. I don't know how many are experiencing that kind of fellowship, but that's what we should be trying to experience and looking for and reaching out to achieve. Verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, big theme here, consider others better than yourselves. Now, you there's a phrase that you could do completely the wrong way. Well, I'm just a worm for Jesus. He's so much better. No, because Second Corinthians says, don't compare yourself with other people. This means to hold someone in esteem and consider the interest of others before yourself. I guess it's going to say that in the next verse. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, doesn't say you don't look to your own interests, especially your spiritual interests, but also to the interests of others. And that is a great key to bonding with people. Now, here come some verses that are not so well understood. And as I start to read these, I'm going to tell you, I picked up the One God and One Lord book the other day as I was preparing for this. And I turned to the mother of all appendices, Appendix A, the top 100 verses ever used to say that Jesus is God or that there's a Trinity. And there's three pages on these verses six to eight here. And I sat there looking at those and my heart was so moved toward John and Mark, who are no longer in my life, but with whom I experienced for a number of years, and especially during the five years that we it did, not every day working on the book, but toward the end, it was a lot of days. And we sat up in my parents' home, my old bedroom, which was a big room. We had three card tables. Each of us had a computer and a stack of the manuscript, the dang thing. Those papers were five inches high, and Mother would bring us food. And it was, that book is a miracle of God. It's a miracle of God, and the work they did on it was priceless. And if you don't have it, God have mercy on your soul. All right, verse 5. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Then the NIV, and this is all explained in the, well, we deal with these, of course, in the thesis of the book, but then Appendix A gives you all the stuff. The Greek, it's, it's insane. There's 3,000 footnotes or something in that book. It's just, plus it's a booster chair. Verse 6, it says in the NIV, because they're very Trinitarian, it has to do with which of the Greek manuscripts they looked at or something like that, I forget it all now, but who being in very nature God, gag me with a mistranslation, who being in the morphe, the form, you know, morph means to turn from one thing into another like some transformer, who being in the form of God. How was he in the form of God? Because Jesus chose to perfectly internalize the written word of God. And therefore, he could say, yo, dog, if you've seen me, You've seen the Father. Because if he were here, he'd say this. If he were here, he'd do this. So watch me. Man, and Paul's kind of following suit here. 113 times, I, me, myself, and we, or whatever. Good heavens. He did. Now look at this. Now they get this part right in the NIV. And of course, it debunks any idea that he's God. Look what it says. Verse 6b, he did not consider equality with God. With God, something to be grasped. That would make no sense if he were God. I'm already God. Why would I? No, no, no. But emptied himself. And of course, the Trinitarian doctrine is, yeah, he was sitting up there hanging around in heaven with God and the Holy Spirit. It was kind of hard to find since he was invisible. No one knows. Anyway, and so he emptied himself and decided to squeeze into a diaper and all of this. Nah. He made himself... Nothing, you can't empty yourself of your nature, for heaven's sake. Then it says, taking the form of a servant, same word, morphe, being found in and being made in human likeness. He was a man, a human being. And verse 8 says, and being found in appearance is the word schema, like a schematic drawing. Again, Appendix A has all this stuff about these words and how they're sometimes interchangeable and all of this. Anyway, it's it's unbelievable. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Hebrews 2 has three times in it the point. Jesus had to be a human being so that he could die to pay the price for the sin of all other human beings. And he became obedient unto death even death on a cross. Gruesome. Therefore, we're going to see this principle again coming up in Philippians. Therefore, because he did that, God, high, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That's expansive. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And one day, that will, you and I have already done that. But one day, every human who has ever lived, and many of them, it'll be too late and so forth, but they will acknowledge that. Then verse 12, wonderful verses coming up here. Therefore, my dear friends, think about it, the jailer, Lydia, the jailer's family, Lydia's family, All those believers, you got to keep that Acts 16 thing in mind here. As you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work it on out. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, it's a big deal. It's important. Pay attention. This kind of thing. For it is God. Here's a great verse. God will help you. (laughs) It's God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. I wrote the uh, in the uh, newsletter, we just emailed it to you Sunday, if you haven't read it, called Our Greatest Freedom, The Fruit of Divine for March. talks about what does it mean to be made in the image of God and the characteristics that we have that are like his. And it talks about the freedom of will and the choices that we have and how God is at work in us and so forth and so on. Here's a verse. I have in my notes, A, in capital letters with three exclamation points here, A-R-R-G-G-H-H. If you don't know that word, it's
0: arg,
1: like, oh, yuck, because this verse is kicking my tail. Um, do everything without complaining or arguing. I don't know that I'm arguing, but when I drop something or it depends on, you know, what, But I will just right out of my mouth comes a word like, dang it, or something like that. And then I catch myself and try to slap myself. But it is deeply rooted in me. Just little things, more than big things, probably. But do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which here it is in which you shine like stars in the universe let's read the next phrase as you hold out the word of life and i share this in other teachings and so forth you know that psalm 19 talks about the heavens declare the glory of god and all of the the first half of psalm 19 is all about the signs of the zodiac proclaiming The story, the biblical record of the redemption of mankind, the fall of man, Scorpio, the serpent, Leo, the lion, all of this. Of course, it's been perverted by astrology, which is not astronomy. True astronomy shows the record that God emblazoned across the heavens for everyone to see and understand. The only thing that's not there is the secret that God gave to Jesus, who gave to Paul, who gave to us. And so we are the spiritual luminaries, lights of the world, who echo, is the word, echo God's greatest message, the secret of the one body with Christ as the head, permanent salvation at Al. So hold out the word of life. In order, Paul says, that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. Wow. That means that Paul, he's talking about the rewards he will receive and the joy. I often say, and the joy he'll have as he sees the people that he won for the Lord rewarded. I often tell people in a letter or something, I look forward to applauding for you at the judgment seat of Christ when you are given the crown for what you've done. Verse 17, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. There's joyce, joyce, rejoice, whatever. And here come Timothy and Epaphroditus to join the party. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timbo to you soon that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. Is that's one of the things in this little fellowship we do third Wednesday night of the month is people share things about here's what happened, here's what God did, I witnessed this guy the other day, whatever. And that is very encouraging to the rest of us who are listening. Verse 20 is kind of sad. I got nobody else like Tim who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. A lot of people had split away from Paul. Why? Next verse. For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. So my goal in dealing with people, I don't always achieve it, is to leave them closer to Jesus than I found them. So I'm concerned with Christ's interest in a person. What's he trying to do in their lives? 22, but you know that Tim has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me, and I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon back to the jailer, back to Lydia, back to that city where he had such a remarkable experience. But I think it's necessary, 25, to send back to Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and he almost died. But God had mercy on him and not on him only, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I'm all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you will be glad, and I may have less anxiety. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy. Honor men like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help that you could not give me. Chapter 3, verse 1, finally, my brothers, oh man, these verses, rejoice in the Lord. No trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it's a safeguard for you. The more you hear something, you know, repetition aids learning. I've often thought, come on, everybody knows this. But I found out, "Eh, well, they don't really get it to where they see it, could explain it, live it, etc. Verse 2, watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we, true believers, who are the quote, quote, circumcision. In other words, the true believers like Israel, circumcision, what that meant for them, and so forth, separating them from others. We worship by the Spirit of God, glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Circumcision relates to that. I teach that in the Roman seminar, it's online, it's audio, and there's these three phrases each relate to one aspect of circumcision. I just can't pull that right out of my head at this second so If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, listen to this, baby. I was circumcised on the eighth day. People of Israel, tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of the Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee. As for zeal, forget about it. Persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more? I consider everything a loss compared to, key words, the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them, King uh, NIV totally misses it. They have rubbish, which is too nice. The word is dung, excrement. In other words, compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ all these other things are like dung. If you see it that way, it's not hard to, to uh avoid them, you know? Going through a cafeteria line, uh, I'll take the jello. I think I'll leave the dung. That I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith in the mid-march blast that you'll receive a week from sunday gary um quoted from eugene peterson in the message these three verses seven to nine here's how peterson in the message handles it uh, you can just listen and if you have the message you can look at it he really does a good job with a lot of verses he says this is verse seven and nine in the message the very credentials these people are waving around is something special I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash, along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. Dog dung. I've dumped it all in the trash so I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. Very cool. Verse 10, these verses are so deep and so loaded. I want to know, by experience Christ, me too, and the power of his resurrection. Yeah, definitely. Uh Uh-oh and the koinonia of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Now, we covered that. And when I read Acts 5, they rejoiced that they were granted to suffer, all that kind of thing. Now, here's verse 11. Again, this is a fabulous verse. It's not always understood properly because watch what it says in right after verse 10, verse 11. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection out from among the dead. This couldn't possibly be talking about a physical resurrection. Because look at the next verse. Not that I've already obtained all this. Well, duh, you're still here with us on the earth. It's not a physical resurrection. It is parallel to Philippians 2, because Jesus emptied himself, took on the form of a servant, God highly exalted him verse 11 here is talking about spiritual growth on the other side of self-sacrifice it's a great principle and it relates to also second corinthians 4 10 and 11 might want to jot that down it says we always carry around in our body the death of jesus so that the life of jesus may also be revealed in our body for we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. And First Peter 5, 7, you know that one. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, so that he can lift you up in due time. So verse 12, not that I've already obtained all this or already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold, this is a wonderful verse, of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I read a book once about this verse that equated this to when you come to something, let's say it's like three and a half feet high, you can, you can get your foot, you're trying to get up on it with just stepping up on it. You can get your first foot up there on it, but you need a hand to get the second foot up there. And I thought that was a great picture of this verse. I take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me and brought me up. Brothers, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. I'm a piece of work too. But one thing I do, forgetting is more of refuting. In other words, consciously saying no more of that. Now, what is behind and straining means stretching out toward what is ahead. Straining. I press onward toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What a verse. And we, that's you, that's me too. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too will God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Let's not let go of what we've learned what we've as far as we've come let's not backtrack verse 17 join with others in following my example and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you or as i've often told you before and now say again even with tears many live as enemies of the cross of christ their destiny is destruction their god is their stomach and their glory is in their shame their mind is on earthly things but our citizenship is in heaven And we eagerly await to go there when we die. No, no. We eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, the rewards for those whom he has touched. And I will say that lately, I've been very touched and blessed and inspired. A number of people kind of coming out of the woodwork or wherever they're coming from and telling me very sweet things about what my life has meant to them for X number of years. These are people, some of them, I don't, I, I don't even know really much about them, but apparently my teachings have touched them. So that's how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I plead with Yodia and Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. Come on. Yes, and I ask you, true yoke fellow, help those women. Now, I may be missing the intended inflection there. Help those women who have contended at my side. Think about it. Lydia, whomever, in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, a woman of God is one of the greatest, so is a man of God, but a woman of God is just priceless. And I've been so privileged to be close to many magnificent women. All those days I was on the road, and I spent so much time at people's homes. Some of you are listening. You're the wife of so-and-so, and he had to go to work. And I get to sit and hang out with you, and you just blew my mind who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice. What a section of verses. In the Lord always, I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness, your graciousness, that's a challenging verse, be evident to all. The Lord's near. In other words, he's watching. Do not be anxious about anything. There's a challenging exhortation, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, think about such things. Kind of hard to be bummed out when you're thinking about those things. Verse 9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, do. Put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So you have the peace of God and the God of peace. Verse 10, watch how he finishes this letter. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned, oh gosh, I can't say this of me, but he could, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Now the word content is a Greek word, auto, self, and RK rule, self-governing, I looked it up, a perfect condition of life in which no aid or support is needed, sufficiency of necessities of life, a mind contented with its lot. Oh, for heaven's sake, whatever the circumstances, sort of along the lines of what I wrote in this month's FOD, free will. You get to choose your thoughts no matter your circumstances, and we can choose godly thoughts. Now, this section is very, very practical and very significant. Verse 12, I know what it is to be in need. I know how to be abased, how to abound and how to be abased, it says King James. I know what it is to have plenty. I can't say I really know, like he did, what it is to be in that kind of need. But I have learned the secret of being self-governing in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry. I've not been hungry that much. I mean, you know, going without food whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. We all know that verse 4.13. I have power to do everything through him who gives me strength. Yet, it was good of you to share in my troubles. Watch these verses as we close here. Moreover, as you Philippians know, In the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, after all we experienced together there, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I am looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. I am so thankful in my life how God has provided for Elizabeth and me material things. It is amazing of how he moves people to help us generally with finances, but sometimes other things also. And this word self-governing, it also you'll find it Second Corinthians 9, 8. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all sufficiency, you will abound in every good work. And First Timothy 6, six, godliness with contentment, same word, is great gain. When we brought nothing into the world. We could take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. And here comes this famous verse coming up here. Verse 18 says, And see, this is, it's credited. I know, because I give quite a bit, Elizabeth and I do, to quite a few people. And I don't necessarily think of it, oh, I'm crediting that to my account. But it will. When people help me, I say, I look forward to you being rewarded for doing that. And a lot of times, it comes at a time when I'm trying to help someone else. So I just pass some of it on. Verse 18, I've received full payment. Even more, I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Paphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And here comes this verse. Look at the context, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So it looks to me like our giving generously plays an important part in God meeting our needs. To our and I'm thankful for you if you thankful for you whether you support us financially or not. But if you do, thank you, thank you, thank you. We try to thank every person for every gift. And if you don't support the ministry financially, you might think about doing so, especially if you like what we do. Verse 20, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. So bless your heart for tuning in tonight. Thank you for taking your time. It'll be online here shortly if you want to listen again or pass it on. And thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your financial support. Thank you for your love. And I will close with prayer. Please know that all of us in the leadership nucleus of the living truth fellowship love you we pray for you we are we want you to let us know if we can do anything for you so heavenly father thank you for these precious believers and that we can approach this same kind of heart and fellowship and camaraderie and oneness and commitment and koinonia that we've read about tonight bless each one heal us each of us help us to rise up and take authority and dominion over sickness and sin in our hearts and and kick the devil's butt in one another's lives. And I pray for open doors of utterance that we can spread this amazing truth that you have so graciously dropped in our laps. Please find us people who whose hearts you can open like you did Lydia. So thank you for a sweet sleep, for each of us tonight For the sun to shine tomorrow And spring is on the way And Lord we just love you And Father we bless you Thank you, thank you, thank you For all you do for us Amen and amen I love you And uh thanks so much for being with us tonight
0: So I will be anxious for nothing I cast my care Make my request with thanksgiving